Welcome homeowners, home buyers, landlords, and tenants alike, people who just want to be better at living in a home. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Join Madison Radio's Adam Elliott, real estate broker and landlord Ben Anton, as they break down the modern-day barriers of home ownership. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and if you're not careful, you'll learn. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fists curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a beggar. Thanks for waiting. That was the waiting song from Madison Musician Seesaw. Welcome to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. On Facebook, at in the 608. Well, Ben, it's great to see you one more time. I think we're in our fall edition here. This is the fall edition, and we took a little we took a little break, or we had a little a, a longer passage of time since you were here last. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed because I vacuumed the stairs. Oh, I totally noticed that too. As I do before <laughs> you come, and I was like, these have gotten really dirty. It must be a while since Adam was over. <laughs> well, we are back once again with Real Estate in the 608. My name is Adam Elliott. And I'm Ben Anton. And Real Estate in the 608 is our obviously a podcast you're listening to, and thank you for doing that. It's a podcast where we talk about the headlines of the day when it comes to real estate. We recap some of the highest and lowest price sales in Dane County. Yep, we'll give you a little tip, top of the hour tip, we call it, and the market update, both things that are helpful in your real estate decision making. I'm making a hand gesture because we surround ourselves. Mm-hmm. We surround ourselves with people smarter than we are. Yeah, one of those folks is Phil Plord. He's the president of Blimling and Associates, a new, a fresh new podcast baby owner, right? He's got his new podcast out that is too, correct. right? He, uh, he he provides us with a look beyond the 608, and then is also the uh, I don't know if he's a head, like I don't know. The Dairy Download. The Dairy Download. <laughs> I don't know if he's... He's uh, working the puns there. And of course, we're going to feature uh, local music from artists who are right here in the 608, because we like to keep it local. I'm Ben on Main Street, broker associate, Lauer Realty Group. Yep. And I'm Adam. I'm a homeowner, a teacher, user experience architect, also former Madison radio personality. And this week, we're going to talk about something I'm very familiar with, Ben. Adam, this is this is darn near you... We could have had you. I could have been the guest, but that would have been weird for me to be the subject matter experts. Um, Adam, after in his long list of things that he does now, does not include one of the things he used to do, which was be a painter. Yeah, he used to paint. Uh, The days where you could like pay your way by working enough during the summer season to go to college, that's what I did. I don't think you can do that anymore because no job makes that much money for an 18-year-old kid fresh out of high school. Well, we will find out with today's guest, Jessica Moreau. Of Certa Pro Painters, we're going to learn about uh, learn about painting from the professional side. That's awesome. I've actually been a little out of touch with like the realm of painting, and you know, I still get the thing you used to paint. What's the best way to do this? And what's the modern technology? I'm like, grab a brush, <laughs> scrape that thing off, and clean it, and paint it up. It'll work. So we're going to talk. I I felt like this was the first time that maybe we we needed a visual component or like mm-hmm. like is our medium is our audio only medium going to make this less uh, less helpful of a presentation sure. so we're going to do our best to keep it simple talk about the basics um, give you the tools you need to do a professional paint job and then and then if not we'll we'll be we'll gladly put you in touch with Jessica <laughs> <laughs> well that's who's going to be on the show this week what's been going on since last time Ben since last time, one of the big things, and one of the reasons that we that we waited uh, until mid October here to put out our tenth uh, episode of season two was was we were waiting for the results of the Wisconsin Podcast Association Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. 
Well, guess what? Since, <laughs> since you didn't hear it already. We are humble gentlemen, I think. And we are humble. And perhaps, <laughs> yeah, okay. perhaps even a spirit of humility has overcome me this month. Sure. Um, we didn't win. Yeah. And it was super disappointing too, because I thought this was poorly handled. But like we're watching like... It was a live a Facebook stream that we, we're doing. You may have seen yeah. a Facebook stream if you didn't, didn't miss much. Uh, <laughs> but like the first presenter is up and then, and then he says, okay, here's the person that won. And then here's their recorded, <laughs> their recorded acceptance speech, and I'm like, well, that just like the whole, the whole next four, 35 minutes right. had been predicted. Like, well, I don't, Adam, did you record no. an acceptance? <laughs> it took speech? like five seconds. To like, oh, they recorded these. Wait a minute, we didn't get a call to record one. Ah, clearly we did not win anything. Here. So we we did not win, but there were winners, even local winners. Uh, we lost out um, in the the best overall podcast to uh, Black Like Me, which is produced by the Madison Doctor and Reverend Alex G. A fantastic podcast. Give it a listen. Yeah. Um, I thought we did okay, mm-hmm. like just to get, just to show up. <laughs> um, it's an honor then, to be nominated. <laughs> and then we were also nominated in the best business category. And, uh, to, and the, the victor in that category was a podcast called Women Who Open Doors. Yeah. You said you tuned in. I haven't tuned into that episode or that podcast itself. Decent? I know it was not that one I listened. I listened to the podcast. Oh, right. I, yeah, I had yeah. not. I had not listened to uh, to women women that open doors. Well, a tip of the hat to both of them. We congratulate. Onward, and most importantly, thank you to our listeners who who allowed us for even a fleeting moment to believe that we were could have could have been a contender. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> we we do appreciate that you're here with us. Uh, let's see. Other, uh, Lola tried her hand at deer hunting. That's big news, and uh, that that did not that ended about as well as the podcast association <laughs> awards. Uh, and then uh, and then also for those of you keeping track, I did buy a serape. <laughs> Is that what you're putting photos of? I may did, be, you didn't get the rooster one, did you? I may be wearing it right now. <laughs> I've also had some exciting talks with uh, with people for season two. From four, season two or four? four? I'm sorry, for season three. Three, yes. Oh, my God, we're, we're getting old. January, we're going to have uh, a former broker turned shamanic house cleanser. I had a... Okay, I don't know what that is, but they're like, going to inform me. I think like like let me burn some sage to get some energy in your house. Oh, okay. But like I think next level February we're going to have a special Valentine's Day edition where we talk about love and the lack thereof uh, as it relates to real estate, <laughs> and uh, with with someone who is a uh, an agent at the Lauer Realty Group as well as a competitive weightlifter. We're going to talk about buying and selling when you are not yet married or not married, oh. and, what, and what that can look like from a financing and ownership perspective, All right. as well as uh, as some other legal issues. Can make a big diff where, yeah. that, where that money's coming from, right? Yeah, for me since last time, I think uh, I, I've fallen prey to something that I think a lot of people have been doing is the pandemic fix up. You are sitting at home a little bit more. You start looking at the wall and you're like, hmm, I bet you I could fix something here. Like that, Maybe I'll get something done here. So uh, I've talked to a couple different contractors going to get some new windows in the house. So Ooh. windows are forthcoming. They were ordered earlier this year and they'll be installed uh, in November for me. So that part of the the home ownership process is like, when's the right time? When When is that window too old that I should replace it? And everybody's got a different opinion depending on what they want to sell. Have you been experiencing any pandemic related supply chain issues? They definitely did talk about that. They talked about the fact that lumber has been uh, an issue, which is probably why it's taken two months from the initial 
yeah, I'm going to buy the windows all the way to when it's going to be installed. And one of the things they said is like, we're having a hard time getting lumber because you need to frame the windows and do all those things that you need to do it. And it takes a little extra time. It does. And for those of you who have been acquiring lumber from local sources like Menards, you will note that they are no longer line iteming the prices on on invoices because the prices are ridiculous. Sometimes oh. 150%, 200% uh, per board or board foot. Good to know that's what's been going on since last time. Let's talk about what's going on from the headlines. In the headlines, we often talk of sales of note. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it real, I realize that that the things I share with you here, that we share with you here, are to are to make you uh, not necessarily a better person, but a better cab driver, uh, or a better a better father, maybe just better driver. Like if you're driving the car around, I want to give you the tools to entertain your passengers with with, gotcha. with information that may not apply to them or have any effect on their <laughs> lives, but it's going to be like, huh. When you are driving your family to Woodman's and you come down, uh, maybe you're, on the, you're going to the Northside Co-op. Okay. I feel a fun fact coming on here. And you're going to go past Wiggies. Mm-hmm. And you're going to remember Wiggies. We talked yes. about that early in the year. It's like somebody's buying Wiggies. By Wiggies, Oscar Mayer. Wiggies yep. is for sale mm-hmm. on, uh, on commercial. Mm-hmm. There's a tavern, no windows, kind of seedy, you know, but hey. But guess what happened since that time? I, I don't know. You, you got to tell me here. Well. You're gonna go buy a tavern today? So I'm, I'm not smart, gonna buy a tavern. Is that a smart move to buy a tavern in this market, Adam. <laughs> I would say no, unless you have a giant patio. Right, they do not have a giant patio. <laughs> they don't. Yeah. Uh, they do have a lot of parking lot though. And here's the thing: it looks as if Occupy Madison is going to purchase Wiggies oh. and create a second village of tiny homes that will be on the north side, where the the building can act as a communal space, can house the bathrooms and the showers that sure. the tiny homes do not have. Right, because they're too you know tiny. Full, full kitchens, <laughs> bathrooms, all those things that you need. Interesting note. Let's talk about the lows and the highs. Low Deerfield, and and I and perhaps I have a uh, elevated view of of Deerfield. I, brought, I helped my sister Jamie. Uh, buy a house out there where the prices I felt in a home was it was not too dissimilar from your neighborhood at the time. You know they paid mm-hmm. they paid one eighty for a two bedroom or a three bedroom house, three bedroom, two bath, two years ago. But seventy three thousand dollars for twenty four hundred square feet, four That's... bedroom, three bath on on a third of an acre, so a decent size yard. And I thought this was an interesting opportunity to bring up something called the agent inspection. This house did not have a condition report. But a condition report by law, but you know, by law, is required on every single transaction of four units or less. Okay. You're supposed to have that that same seller completed condition report. It's kind of it's kind of an odd thing though, because so many people just like write a line through it. Like they think it's a liability issue and they say, I don't know, and they write a line through it because mm-hmm. it's required. So they just write a line. Um, but in this case, it was not re- it was not a, it was not provided. So I'll take, I want to just hear a little, little bit about real estate here. Um, the agent then in that situation is required, or at least very much suggested, that the agent fill out a standardized form called the agent inspection. Okay. Uh, and it requires the licensee to just answer these, these fixed and f- formatted questions like after visual inspection. So again, a, a condition report is neither a guarantee nor a warranty. It's just the best of the knowledge at the seller at the time they complete it. Mm-hmm. But when they are not present, it is the job, the, the, the probably responsibility of the agent 
to provide at least the limited information on the standardized form from the Realtors Association, state-approved form. An agent in any situation is required to disclose a material adverse fact. Let's say... Translate that for me. So if there is something wrong with a house mm-hmm. that is, that is a, a kind, of a, kind of a big deal, like there's a big, big old crack in the basement showing that it like it, it, it's da- there's danger of structural failure. Yep. Lake Monona is flowing through your basement. Right. Got to know about and that. The, and the <laughs> seller says nothing. They check no defect in the basement or foundation. It is the job of even the list agent, any licensee that enters that property and notices the defect and sees that it was not disclosed, it is their job to disclose the material adverse fact. And so we're talking about that because there was no condition reports on this lowest sale. Right. But in in lieu, the agent provided that standardized form hmm. of checkboxes as like the, their not their borderline professional opinion on whether or not these situations existed. All right, let's talk about the highest sale. Highest sale, Middleton. Um, way out in Middleton where there used to be farms. 3963 Caribou Court, built in 2007. It has the the ba- bedroom-bathroom ratio of wealth. Five, <laughs> five bedrooms, six yeah. bathrooms. Um, and this, the interesting thing here, uh, listed for $1.99 million in February, mm-hmm. and they didn't budge. And they got it. They got one95 So they dropped four. Like, it was on the market for eight months. And they dropped $50,000. Which, you know, it's a good amount of money for you and me, but when you're talking about a $2 million price here, that it's, is a yeah. very small percentage. So I would have thought the time to drop the price was early. The market did not see you. Those stubborn sons of bitches, they wrote it, they wrote it out all year <laughs> long, and that real estate agent had to have 50. They probably didn't have to have a lot of open houses. I, re- I, retract, no, yeah. I retract that statement. Um, Pandemic but, time, right? But they made their agent turn it, keep that place up for 10 months, and they held their ground. So what's good the, for what's them. What's the lesson there? Persistence pays off or <laughs> listen to your agent? Maybe. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing. Next time I have a $1.99 million listing in Middleton, I'll decide <laughs> whether or not they were right to do that. All right. Those are the lows and the highs. You're listening to Real Estate in 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. We're about to welcome Jessica Moreau. She's a general manager with Serta Pro Painters as our in-studio guest to talk about the painting process for you as a homeowner. But first, let's talk about the house that Rhonda bought. We are going to be talking about this house well into... We're not? Oh, we are? We are. Well into season three. Oh, boy. I don't have a lot of updates, but we talked about your windows and supply chain issues and costs. Yeah, right. Building costs right now are through the roof. Oh. And people are having trouble getting everything they need. Oh. So we're kicking that... She... She, we are kicking it out till spring. All right. Well, that is the abbreviated version of the house that Rhonda bought. Well, that project gets pressed on pause. Uh, next, let's welcome our guest to studio. Hi, this is Liz Lauer, founder of the Lauer Realty Group. I take pride in having highly educated realtors who are passionate about their clients' pursuits. That passion translates into buying the right home, condo, or investment property, or when selling those same properties for clients, creating a highly stylized marketing plan that yields the best results. The core of the success comes from continually educating ourselves, our clients, and staying focused on key topics and strategies that will help us advocate for them 
like no other firm. Real Estate in the 608 is a window into our world that gives our listener market updates, current lending trends, home maintenance tips, remodeling help, and so much more. When you need our services, give us a call. Till then, sit back and enjoy and learn. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608. It's time for the top of the hour tip. In with today's top of the hour tip is Alejandra Torres. Hello. Hi. Did you know that modern furnaces don't use conventional 110 volt or AC line voltage to power their blower motors? Newer units use step down DC or direct current voltage to power the fans. So leaving your thermostat and blower fan in the on position versus the auto can give your home more even temperatures as well as more frequently circulated and filtered air. With these newer models, you can do this without running up your electrical bill. Well, that is that is interesting to know. And I think I learned from, uh, from our previous guest, uh, Brian, at Dale's Heating, that that has been the case since about 2015. So if you've replaced your furnace in the last five or so years, you too may benefit from Ale's top-of-the-hour tip. Thank you, Ale. My pleasure. Leave those fans on. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. Find us online at inthe608.com. Well, we are back with our in-studio guest, Jessica Moreau. She's a general manager with Serta Pro Painters in Madison, Wisconsin. I should note that my name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. Ben, you want to say hello? Hello, everyone. Hi to the people. And we are welcoming Jessica to the studio today. Jessica, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. It is great to have you on. Painting, as we discussed, uh, Ben and I discussed a little earlier, was one of my former occupations. This was the uh, the the job that put me through college. Really. For, for whom did you paint? <laughs> I painted for a couple different outfits. Um, Brown's painting, which I don't think is around anymore. And then Genesis painting, which is still around, but they do many things other than just painting nowadays. Yeah. They, they've grown their empire. And then uh, also I went off on my own and just... Uh, and I you've think done I, some prep for sale for me and gotten sure. some houses ready to sell. So we definitely have uh, some questions to ask you. So, we, but we we know we know what she does. <laughs> but is she fun? How, how are we going to find out? We <laughs> find out if she's fun by playing a get to know you game, a quiz game, a Madison history and environs trivia game. We call the way it used to be. There used to be. There used to be. There used to be. Used to be nothing but smiling faces, far as the eye could see. Car in every driveway, swinging every tree. People can't stop talking about the way things used to be. All right, Jessica, it's time to find out if you're fun. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, now we learned from you earlier that you are not, you are not from Madison originally. Nope, I'm born and raised outside of Boston, probably like 35 miles in a town called Bridgewater. That made me think, because I do a lot of uh, this old house watching. In 2017, an East Bridgewater carpenter was welcomed onto the 39th season of this old house as an apprentice. Nope. Okay. I wasn't in the industry when I was back there, so I don't know a lot of people in the industry. I'm going to ring the bell just so you know what it sounds like. (laughs) Right. That's what it's you're. Nice. That's what yes. you're going for, Jessica. Yes, I'm still right. fun. So next, you're one. still fun. <laughs> the bell rang. You're fun. Home to the Hotel Indigo, and the Palette Bar and Grill since 2018. 
What former paint manufacturer opered, op, occupied the building at 901 East Washington across the avenue from Breeze Stevens Field? I do know this one, Mott's Painting. Mott's Paint. Yeah. Yeah. The I, old Sherwin-Williams. Wow, well done. Yeah. That's correct, because yeah. Sherwin-Williams purchased the Mott's brand and, and name and everything that is Mott's. Isn't there still a big Mott's logo up on the building there, or is that gone now? I too? wonder if they if they restored a, a ghost sign, yeah. as they are referred to, to kind of pay homage. So that is correct. Well done. Yeah. Final question. Is is Jessica fun? One of the last islands of agriculture inside the city of Madison. What is the historic name of the farm at 3600 Milwaukee Street? Oh man! So I don't know. It's a big. Uh, it's a big plan. It's been in all the city meetings because the city owns the land now, and they're going to plan out the neighborhood. And it's oh. called the former oh. Blank Farm. Yeah. I rang the bell because I'm going to get it right. I didn't know this Vo- one either. It's the Voight yeah. Farm. The Voight Farm. The minute okay. I say it, he's going to go, yeah. oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning about Madison. So we'll just assume that you are fun. This is the area of Madison that I like to call, like, one of the most confounding because this is my bike path. When I, If I would bike into work, obviously I'm not biking in right now, but this is the space where it goes from four lanes down to, like, two giant lanes and people don't know. <laughs> Nothing's painted <laughs> in between there. So it's like, I can drive this whole thing and some people try to pass on the right it's oh, i remember man. evelyn learned to drive those a year or two ago and she asked me and i'm like i don't really know just like do, <laughs> do whatever you feel is right and then commit yeah, right. <laughs> i hate everyone i like you jessica how did you come to painting you know, I was, I was in, I worked for Panera Bread for six years and I was just tired and I went on Craigslist and I saw this job that said mother hours, commercial marketing. I mean, I was like 25 and I just wanted to like work 30 hours a week. You know, I just wanted to live my life still. I ended up interviewing for, so Certipro is a franchise painting company. So I ended, ended up interviewing in near my hometown back in Massachusetts and it was a new position. It's called commercial marketing. So you just go out there and try to get uh, new commercial business. So you go into re- uh, real estate places, property management, and all that stuff. And I interviewed, and they were like, well, we have to have you interview with corporate because it's a new position for all of us. And we just hit it off, the guy at corporate. And he was like, oh, there is a guy in Wisconsin. And I was like, Wisconsin? I don't even know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I told you I'd move to California. And he's like, no, just fly out there, check it out and see how it is. And so my boss, Matt Hefter, owns Milwaukee also. And he had just purchased Madison Market and he wanted um, someone to run it for him. And we ended up hitting it off. And, uh, you know, six months later, I moved out here. And it's really that's how it started. Can you tell me, the consumer, a little bit about the difference between paint and primer? So primer is essentially, it provides a sealed and stable surface for a top coat. And then a top coat is a top coat that's not supposed to seal something. They're just chemically made different. There's specific primer for each different thing that you need it for. Yeah, the different types of surfaces. Like there's, you wouldn't put the same um, primer on drywall that you would need for a metal surface. It seals the porous surface so that it can bond, the top coat can bond properly 
to whatever the circus is. And Jessica, in the reverse also is kind of true. You wouldn't want to just put primer on something without putting a top coat on it. Yeah, for sure. You definitely want to do a top coat and um, it will protect it. And because it is like one of the hardest things to tell how long it's going to last. <laughs> Most of the time you are using oil-based paint or you are using latex paint, which is water-based I use latex and then I use oil on new decks. It's just a better bonding process for it. So new wood exterior, you're thinking about yeah. oil. Yeah. But almost everywhere else, you're using mm -hmm. latex, which is a water-based paint. Yes. And I do prime with oil primer, though, also. It adheres. It's a better bonding agent. The mm -hmm. oil is. A lot of people don't use oil nowadays, though. And can you put oil on top of latex and latex on top of oil? You can put oil on top of latex, not latex on top of oil. Yep. And sometimes people make that mistake also. I walk around all day, all night. I walk around. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. It's time for the market update in with today's market update, Alejandra Torres. Then the pace of the market still surprises us. Homes in almost any segment of the market, when priced accordingly and staged accordingly, will move quickly. And buyers more than ever seem to prefer these move-in ready homes. So to understand what the next few months might look like, we really need to start thinking next level. If the holidays are typically slower due to travel and vacations, does that mean that less travel because of the pandemic means more home sales? Perhaps people are going to be spending the holidays looking at a new home off the beaten path. And maybe 2020 is not such a great time for predictions. Thank you, Ali. Thanks, Ben. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. We're talking painting today, and our guest in studio is Jessica Moreau. She's the general manager of Serta Pro Painters here in Madison. Jessica, again, thank you for being here today. Uh, we're learning a little bit about painting. I try to not think about everything in a binary set in the world because I think it helps you think about being inclusive and more things. But when it comes to painting, I do think like there are people that either enjoy painting or they absolutely hate it like it is the worst thing in the world that they can imagine to do do you find that to be true in your experience as well oh a hundred percent I go to people's houses they're like I just don't want to do this yeah. like, they're like come here tomorrow and just paint please and I'm like okay here we come uh, is it is it in your opinion about having the right tools or having the right mindset uh, I'm honestly going to say mindset. It's all about, it's what I've learned from uh, my painters here is it's ma mainly the mindset of doing this project. They all have passion for painting and making things look different. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just it's the mindset. There are times when I'm painting that I achieve like a oneness with my brush mm -hmm. and it's very Zen. And I, and I really feel like, mm -hmm. Like I'm able to express, like everything is flowing and, and the brush is swole with paint. I don't use tape ever. Oh, wow. Do you use tape when you paint, Jess, where your people, do they use tape? I have some crews that use tape and then I have some guys that do not even use tape or drop cloths, 
which Whoa. I was very <laughs> wait, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Seems like there might be a company nervous. policy on that. Yeah. He's really good and he doesn't need any of that. He has, you know, it's also in the, in the brush and the roller of what you use, you know, and the pressure you're using with the roller. Um, a lot of things go into what can make a messy job site. I think I have used tape to protect baseboard from spatter, which is a, akin to the drop cloth. Cause I, you know, when I'm painting ceilings, people will, you can listen to your roller and your roller <laughs> will tell you if it has enough paint or not. If you can hear the roller, you don't have enough paint on it. That's got, All right, because it, it's but, spitting out paint. But I'm yeah. looking up, and my I've got more than one pair of glasses with paint specks all over them, and I'll show up to a professional business <laughs> meeting, and Liz Lauer will go, Ben, your glasses are full yes. of paint. <laughs> my theory, it always came down to, is um, you're covering something that could potentially drip downwards. So any vertical surfaces, such as the side of a window, I don't need to tape because I'm going to use my hand and skill to draw a straight line down there. But anything that could potentially drip, baseboard, floors, or even like a window sill, that all always covered with like tape and paper, because I don't want that speckled. One of the things I think that helps anybody deliver a quality paint job, though, is caulk. Are you are you with me on that, Jessica? <sighs> you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't know. Boy, I want to keep you. about caulking because I've been getting more into cabinets and you're not supposed to caulk cabinets but there's these huge gaps and I've been arguing with people if you should caulk them or not but I've noticed in my own house that my caulking is all cracking so why would I want to do that to somebody else's house so uh, I'm in between on that right now on the caulking theory we we have a little saying at Deacon Housing Rhonda and I is that uh, caulk and paint make the carpenter what they ain't I'd say my two cents in this is like I'm more aligned with Jessica here, I think. So what do you do with the cabinet, though? Well, she's got a cabinet with a cabinet. I would, I would leave it do? or I would get like a finish, like wood piece to finish that cab. I would use something else. The only reason I use caulk is to patch a hairline bead. Like like if there is like the baseboard touching the wall, if I can only put yeah. like a hairline of caulk on there to the point where I don't get like a curve, I still want to see that straight, sharp edge. Scowl. I know. Ben's giving me. <laughs> got a scowl looking at it like, you can't. Yeah, but you can't let there be a shadow line. And let me tell you, when you are putting up baseboard trim in a 100-year-old house, there are going to be some gaps. Sure. It happens. So interior, I mean, there's a difference interior, exterior. I know we use a lot more on the exterior just because that's for the wood and things like that. So moisture doesn't get behind the wood or anything, water, you know. Um, but interior, if I'm painting the baseboards, because the baseboards never line up with the drywall. So you do have to caulk them if you're going to white. Um, it's not my favorite thing, but we have to do it. What's your What's your favorite brush, Jessica? Oh, it depends what I'm using gonna, it for. Well, yeah. let's imagine you're you're sending somebody home. They can only afford one brush. What kind of brush are you going to send them home with? I would send them home with a roller. Oh. Yeah. What? Do tell. Okay, that was curious. <laughs> I like. I have what I'm yeah. what I'm thinking yeah. in my head, but why a roller instead of a brush? Because the thing that you change the most is the wall color. And how are you going to do that with the brush everywhere? If you're going to, it's going to take you extra longer to ah, do. I see. Yeah. Let's imagine they have a roller yeah. already, a nine yeah. inch roller. Yeah. What are you going to say? And they, but they need to paint the trim and cut the ceiling and paint the field of a door. 
They're going to paint a six-panel door, cut the ceiling, and the, paint the trim around the window white. And for that, don't use a brush on that door. That, is, right. that would be my advice. You need to use a brush to get into the cracks. If you do use yeah. a brush, then re-roll it. Then roll it to take get out the brush marks. Get rid of your brush marks. marks. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a, right, there's, yeah. there's a takeaway tip for everybody. <laughs> paint it and then roll it to take away your brush marks. Yes. <laughs> All right. But I, uh, what, what's, yeah. the, what's the best utility brush? Purdy makes, there's a few different kinds that they make, but for say we're doing like trim or something, cabinets, I will only use China bristle. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, it's hog hair. So for cabinets, things like that, I'll use that. For painting, cutting in, I'll just use a standard nylon painting brush. It's for mm-hmm. walls and ceilings like that. So I I would take home my angled brush, though, from Purdy. Mm-hmm. You, you make a great yeah. point. There is a yeah. gigantic difference between the $2.99 brush that you can buy at the store and the ones that go from, like, $15 and up. Like that, that, that could really define your painting experience really. And I think that those are one of the reasons why people hate painting so much because you often Mm. tend to get the, go cheap on the equipment, but equipment makes a difference, at least in my head. And, and the brush that I was thinking about to, to answer Ben's question is exactly what you were saying. I'd choose a three and a half inch angle sash nylon brush. Because okay. that three and a half is not only a three and a half inch brush. If you turn it on its side, it's also a one inch brush and it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be more solid. You can soak more paint into it. Therefore, to get a good well painting stroke. I don't go as big as yeah. you, Adam. I go two and a half inch. Two and a half? Two and a half Ooh. inch angled sash brush. You're dipping, you're dipping your brush same. too many times then. Yeah, I, I would do three and a half also. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I'm think the, most of my Evidently, I'm the one with the little brush. <laughs> it's taking you longer. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. He's Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. Our in-studio guest is the general manager with Certa Pro Painters in Madison, Jessica Moreau. Jessica, thank you for being here and talking painting so much. One thing I, I wanted to circle back on is we talked about um, the desire for people to paint. I think if somebody is in the painting industry and they want to be there, I think there is a heart of like an artistic person behind every brush. There's a difference between house painting and painting on a canvas for what you might put in a museum. But I think like the heart of that is still kind of central to it because you're ma- you're designing, you're making something, you're creating. It maybe is a stretch to say art in painting a a door frame, but like I think there is there is that element to it. Would you agree? Yes, I I totally agree with that. None of my painters are artistic in the sense that it would hang in a museum, but they are artistic in the way that they can paint they can get it done in a timely fashion and it make it look good um, we've done some really cool projects like colonial victorian homes around the area um, and it really truly is uh, it looks great once you should see before and afters i think i think one of the one of the creativity or expressive opportunities is in is in that restoration like you would you would certainly say that that a brand new freshly constructed Victorian had a, had beauty, and and the painter is someone who can who can bring back that beauty or who can who can wash away times uh, times decay and 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 put it back into that to restore the beauty if not creating it for the first time. Everyone and especially the Victorian and the colonial homes, the bigger homes, they all have their own what they want it to look like if there's a new homeowner. I just painted a 
bright blue and pink house uh, next to James Madison. And the creativity was crazy, the transformation and everything, colors and the way that it looks. You know, it's just it's crazy how much paint can change something. I would like for there to be a few like easy takeaways for our listener. What um, let's talk about Sheen as it relates as it relates to your typical home. Let's talk about ceilings, walls, bathrooms, and living space. No, this is a good like painting 101 question. Like, how do you describe yeah. what sheen is to people when they say, like, no, I just want paint on there? Sheen <laughs> is I ask them what the what they want out of it. Like flat, you can't clean. Mm-hmm. You know? So I ask them what they're looking for. Most people don't want a semi-gloss on their walls, they know what that is. Um, so I asked them, what's the purpose of this room? And that's how I usually pick sheens for them. And then I show them, uh, what the difference in sheens are, the shine of them. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's like mm-hmm. the utility of it is important. And I always thought of it as kind of like a, a light reflective quality. How much glare, if the sun is reflecting off your wall, <laughs> how much do you want that sun to reflect off? A flat paint will give you very low reflection, so you won't get a lot of light back. Whereas if you put a high gloss on, it'll be like you're looking into a mirror almost sometimes. <laughs> uh, I uh, like refuse to put semi-gloss on anybody's walls. <laughs> well, I'm just like, nope. Yeah. What about what about though? I'll tell, I'm just going to rattle down what we do, and you can tell me yeah. the pros and cons. Pros and cons of both: ceiling in a living area, flat, and I do that, and I'll tell you why I do it. It it's cheap. It's cheapest paint you can buy, mm-hmm. so that often goes up first. It's it's mm-hmm. easy to cover a drywall primer with a flat white paint. That's right. always on the ceiling. Then my walls, I'm going to go to a satin. And satin, and I believe, is the same as eggshell or just about. It's like middle of the road. Middle of the road. It is not flat, but it is not semi-gloss. It is in the middle. And and that's because the walls are going to always have some kind that people are going to touch them. But then in the kitchen, I'm going to go semi-gloss in a kitchen and a bathroom. And that's because I need to be able to scrub in there. All right, Jessica, what's your take on that plan? <laughs> Not a semi-gloss person, but flat 100% on the ceilings. It hides imperfection. There's also a difference between flats. You have um, Promar 200, which is flat, but it's not an actual flat. So it depends what we're getting into. But most of the time, I spec Promar 200 flat for all ceilings. For the walls, I have a new favorite. It's a matte finish. It's the closest hmm. thing to a flat. But it's a hundred percent washable. I think I do this on. I just switched over this year, and I've been doing it on most of my residential projects. So, but I do notice that a lot people in real estate that own properties tend to use flat on their walls mm-hmm. because most of their walls are beat up, and because it's, it's easier to do touch-ups. Yeah, mm-hmm. I sometimes unless they're really dirty, you know, you can see the spots. There's on August 1st when the apartments are switching and I go to Sherwin Williams and I pick up my semi glosses and my satins and there's always a guy there from Madison Property Management or Anchor or one of the big houses and they're getting like five gallon buckets of 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 white ish. Sure. Like yeah. It's not white and it's the same on the ceiling as it is on the walls as it is on the trim. And I can't stand that. It's just like like that's one of the things that I do. Like I feel like. 
Like we do that to be different. We have colors in our apartments. There's mm-hmm. like maybe there's only six yeah. of them, but there might be three different ones in your apartment, and we and they're fresh. And we have that. We keep mm-hmm. that. We keep that paint in stock. And when you move out, we're gonna touch up with that same color because Rhonda is in charge of keeping yeah. those things together. I would describe that tactic as a a time and money saver because right, yeah. it's a lot easier to have. 100 gallons of the same paint and cover that in all your residential units. Therefore, I can go into unit one, five, and 10 and use the exact same paint and I can do one wall and I can be out. Well, I don't, <laughs> and I don't yeah. have to worry about, you know, whether it's going to touch up or not. Rhonda may have a spreadsheet. I don't know, but it <laughs> keep, she, she, keeps it in, she keeps it in her basement and I, and I say, well, let's go over there and then she goes, and we'll have to remember together what color. Ah, what color. Yeah. But there's, like I said, there's only like six colors. Well, it's boring too. I mean, color adds some like life to it, <laughs> some, yeah. some interest. I'm not saying your house. I'm saying if you use the same color and <laughs> ceilings and walls, it's just yeah, blank. It, it doesn't make you yeah. feel like you got a hug when no. you walked in the door. <laughs> I don't use semi gloss in my kitchens typically. I think that sheen is just way too. What are you doing in the kitchen? I typically stay with the flat and the mat. I. I, I think in the older houses, we'll have to go up to a satin a little more. I think it's like an old myth that you have to use like semi-gloss in the bathrooms and things like that for moisture. Uh, I see a lot of houses getting painted with flat ceilings and low luster walls or matte walls, and they're holding up perfectly fine. It's more so, is your fan working? <laughs> is it doing what it needs to do, you know? <laughs> well, and that's and that's part of the issue. When you're buying yeah. when you're buying 100-year-old houses and rentals, yeah. uh, there is not always a fan in the bathroom, and they are not always working great. And, I, and I'm, I'm imagining the difference between my semi-gloss, where the, mm. where the moisture, you can see it, dr- it like dries in drips, like because yeah. the, yeah. the drips form on the ceiling, and then I get little yellow dots for more of the for more of the drips versus a flat paint where the where the water soaks in a little bit and it looks a lot more like mold. Yeah, it is so much in a rental with a bad fan. I'm standing by yeah. the semi gloss because 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 every oh, yeah. every August I have to go up there and wash that and it's like or paint it again and then I'm using uh, a mold blocking uh, primer like a Zinser or a or a or a Kills. Yeah. Um, yeah. The older houses are definitely different, and all the rentals are so different what you have to decide for sheens. Um, I do try to go a little higher, but I'm not going with the semi-gloss. No way. (laughs) Let me just correct you. I always thought like the order, because we're talking about matte too. It's usually like from lowest reflection, flat paint. Then you would go like an eggshell is the next reflective, then a satin, and then a semi-gloss, and then gloss. You never see gloss anymore, but like gloss would be the – gloss is usually like a a finish for like – woodwork or something if you want like high reflection but where does matte mm-hmm. fit into that i think it goes flat there's a new one called velvet so i think it's like flat matte velvet low luster and then going up oh. so there's a lot of new sheens but you also have to remember each company is different on their sheens sure right <laughs> i've been out of the game too long i think that's just, that's just so when you walk into one store you feel awkward and you and right it, it might be a way that they try to keep you there another way they keep you there I'm gonna the, another Sherwin Williams plug. Um, they sell they sell white dickies there. I know I realize not everyone can pull off the white dickies, but but I that's all that's the only pants I wear. Not, well, dickies, you know, or car like a Carhartt canvas pants. Right, yeah, 
And they're, they're like 35 bucks if you can buy it. But you can go to the Sherwin-Williams store. They come with a patch on the back. It says Sherwin-Williams. And they're like $19. You are a stylish guy, Ben. <laughs> you are a stylish guy. And I will wear them after Labor Day. Oh, oh man. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608 Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. We just found out something new about Ben, who loves wearing clothes he buys at the paint store. That's <laughs> <laughs> not why I love it. It's just very convenient. Our in-studio <laughs> guest is Jessica Moreau. She's the general manager of Serta Pro Painters right here in Madison. Jessica, you referenced earlier the warranty. And mm-hmm. usually, as I recall, everyone just looked at the bucket and it says, like, how long this paint will last. And that's often like a question of like, if somebody is getting exterior work done in particular, how long does this thing last and when do I need to redo it? So exterior, we say if it's a good surface, it lasts eight to 10 years. Uh, Typically you'll see fading, but if there's already um, bubbles and flaking off and peeling off, then typically it won't last as long. And then decks, we say, Every one to two years, you have to get them done. They're the big, biggest maintenance project if you stain them. When we were talking about the paints and where you apply them inside the house, interior paints, we're talking pretty much all latex paints um, because oil might be, you know, I would consider that overkill. Oil is also going to be stinky inside of a house, too, and you don't want that stink mm-hmm. permeating inside, whereas like outdoors on a deck, that might be a better application for it. Right, yep. Tell us about lead paint and what and what a company like yours does and ha- it, it, or is obligated to do, but also I'm sure does joyfully uh, as it relates to as it relates to lead paint and uh, job prep. So lead, you got to get certified in this state. So you always have to have a. You only can work on lead projects if you're certified, and they make you do a refresher every year, things like that. But uh, you have to wear PPEs when you're scraping the lead, and you have to block off. Uh, where you're scraping and has to have a sign of what you're doing. And you really have to make sure that you contain the dust from the lead. I've had a lot of people call me that have the lead is they wait so long and it's just peeling off of their houses, you know, and it's all over their all over their yard. And once I start, I'm responsible for picking up all that stuff that's left on the ground that we didn't even start yet, you know, but they really need to have a professional to do it because you're not allowed to use any sanding tools Uh, We have a couple of tools that are certified and they are electric tools, but they're certified to be on lead projects. So a lot of things go into it. So I'm certified and I make every job site supervisor on the job certified. They're pretty strict around the Madison area. They come around a lot. I would imagine they're they're knocking on your door because you've got trucks and trucks and crews. Um, mm-hmm. When that law first became such, I also mm-hmm. uh, went through the lead paint certification process, um, mm-hmm. and it is it is not rocket science, um, <laughs> but it's but it's important. I think especially mm-hmm. when you're dealing when there's a, when there's a certain level or when there's an assumption that whatever these people are doing to my house is likely not endangering me or my family. Um, Backing up just a little bit, any house built before 1978 in the state of Wisconsin, we must assume that there is a that there is lead paint on that house. Um, there are no kits available at a Home Depot or a Menards that test to the same level that Wisconsin uses as their threshold. Oh, interesting! So you could go yes. to you could go to Home Depot and you could use a test and you cut with a razor, you cut into the windowsill and you touch it, and if it changes color, it will say it's lead or not. 
But <laughs> the standard that Wisconsin uses to determine lead paint is is higher or lower, mm-hmm. whatever you choose to, mm-hmm. however you choose to phrase it, uh, <laughs> that those store-bought tests are not adequate to determine uh, whether or not someone would, would be able to go without, uh, without the uh, precautions. Broad strokes, containment mm-hmm. of the dust is the issue. A homeowner does not need to be licensed and can do whatever they want themselves, but right, anybody yeah. for hire needs to reach these <laughs> standards and, and have those refresh, refresher courses that Jessica mentioned. I like that you noted that the test that you buy in the store right now not going to give you an accurate result, according to, according to Wisconsin's rules. Because when, it, when I would paint, you know, I think I probably had a little ego that I could say I could walk up to something and look at it and say, that has lead, this doesn't have lead, <laughs> because it's got certain yeah. properties. But, you know, I've come to realize that that is a false assumption that you're making, because you can't just like judge it by looking at it, well, I, even I, though I <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probably, I mean, and Jessica, you'd probably agree with this, it's probably better to call the pros in. Um, right, in, yeah. in a situation. hundred percent. I actually, I focus more on exteriors. I don't really try to get into the inside because that's a whole different story yeah. of how you have to do the job. But I really, um, I'm passionate more about the exteriors because they're also larger houses. So I like how the change of them. So I like doing those. They're my favorite projects. And the, and, and for those of you considering work in your home or having someone do work in your home, the, the interior threshold is like, if you are disturbing it, maybe you can remind, is it 25 square feet of paint on the inside? I think it was 20. 20. For some reason. Yeah. And then outside is a slightly larger number, but obviously, so if you're, if you are just painting a room and you're not scraping and creating dust beforehand, lead paint is likely not an issue for you. If you are mm-hmm. just if you are just top coating or changing a color, but if you are outside where prep we learn is ninety percent of the job, mm-hmm. that means you're scraping and you're and you're removing old paint and that and that paint may very well maybe even likely to to contain lead. Sometimes I'm sure of. Sometimes my head's not right. You're listening to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. My name is Adam Elliott. He is Ben Anton. Our in-studio guest is Jessica Moreau, uh, General Manager with Serta Pro Painters in Madison. Jessica, a quick question: Should the average person ever pick up a paint sprayer, or should they only stick to a brush and roller? Oh, stick to a brush and roller. Uh, the technique, <laughs> yeah, the technique, and the skill of the sprayer is way. I don't think that's a homeowner, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, something should be sprayed, though. <laughs> These are the chuckles of people, of two of us, who both. Who, now I know that I know Adam uses uh, has used a sprayer to do doors. Sure, because yep. yeah. um, out on the west side, that uh, oh yeah yeah, you, when right. you painted yeah. a prep, you did a prep for sale for me years ago, um, and I I actually bought the big sprayer. Like, out of, do you do your guys use the big sprayer outside? The one stick in the bucket. Oh, yeah, that's what all they use. I have one guy that uses a little Wagner, and he uses it for doors. That's great. But, yeah, we like the Great Coast, the big ones. Okay. Yeah. that's I, yeah. I bought one of those a few years ago. And, in fact, I don't use it all the time if I'm just – mm-hmm. because the prep, again, and maybe that's our last card. I want to talk about the importance yeah. of the prep. But uh, all the tape and the masking, I just can't handle it. But in our in my basement space that we're in, uh, where the studio is, I used it to spray the underside of the joists and exposed uh, 
exposed HVAC and things, and it, it created a, a a whitewash. In fact, that's a, probably exactly what I'd call it. Was is a whitewash that allows light to reflect without dropping the ceiling, and it's kind of it's kind of a sexy thing with the can lights. And I think a lot yeah. of people a lot of people are going that route in basement spaces. Um, Just where I, I assume you wore a mask because if you're spraying indoors, right. you are atomizing paint, and it is in the air, and yeah. it's like I, it's like coronavirus. It's floating out there. <laughs> <laughs> you need to protect yourself. Uh, I joked about Liz yeah. Lauer commenting on my glasses. There, There's a pair of glasses that the, may, might not have made it back from that day. <laughs> yeah, I would spray the ceilings. I, that's been a hot item this year. We've done a lot of mm. uh, ceilings in the basements, but we, we definitely spray those. There are certain things that you like have to spray or you should spray, you know. Um, so, But it's a certain technique. These guys, we have Sherwin-Williams. They do classes for us and just make sure that we're up on the skills of it. Gotcha. Well, that's cool that people are, like, that's the trend right now is to do ceilings. Are there other, you know, what's the newest of the new that I could uh, modernize to make with painting? Uh, people like to keep up with their, uh, the colors of the year. Uh, I would mm-hmm. say the hot item. I did a lot of lime washes this year. Um, you got so, it. What is it? What is a lime wash? You got to That's not green. It's though. The same, We're talking it's about the white. same thing as whitewash. Yeah. But it has gotcha. limestone tint into it. It's the type of, product that you use um so i did a lot of brick lime washing this year and i did a lot of ceilings uh spraying them but uh, a lot of front door color changes things like that nothing too crazy you know for all the people you have over (laughs) nowadays right (laughs) want to make a good first impression yeah always is it really 90 percent? do your guys really spend that much time before they put the paint up and then, and then, how much of your sales pitch to the consumer is about the importance of that aspect? I would say the sales pitch of the prep is a lot because that's where the homeowner usually struggles. They just want to get painting, you know. So we try to stress what needs to be done prior to the job, especially on exteriors. If you're peeling or flaking, um, we try to stress what needs to happen. Um, but I would say prep is seventy-five percent for. Mm-hmm. for us yeah i mean that's a good yeah. like it like indoors so, you don't need to reprime a surface that's already painted or you might right. not need to fix that surface but mm-hmm. certainly you have to prepare your area for painting even though there's a guy that apparently just doesn't need drop cloths <laughs> or <laughs> or tape and anywhere yeah. but you do need to like prep out your space so you're not gonna like mm-hmm. one trip over your bucket and two drop paint on your nice wood floor too right yeah. <laughs> i shared i shared and jessica's saw some recent exterior painting jobs that I've been working on with Rhonda and it really does seem like prep is 90% of the job. And I don't mind a lot of it because for me, a lot of the prep is carpentry and that's, and that's something that Rhonda does not do. So I can get do that, which I feel good about. And it's like a little bit more productive and I feel like I'm building something or doing mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. versus just the endless, uh, <laughs> the, the endless scraping. Um, but so that is, so, so, I, I have seen uh, photo, photographic evidence of, of your work, and, uh, and it is beautiful, and it, and it really is kind of a, like a, ma- a magical transformation or even, even a tr- rest, restoration transformation, depending on whether you're going pink and blue or, or back to some, some colonial or Victorian color schemes of, of, of yore. Hi! 
I feel dirty when I say this, but I but I but I saw that uh, I saw your company is promoting something like this, or promoting this, and I wanted to give an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, it's certainly not something that's going to fit in a uh, in, in a in a Near East Side uh, hundred year old garage where where even if there are four walls and a roof, it gets a C plus. Um, but and it sounds like a dirty word, polyurea. Tell, oh, me a, yeah. tell me a little bit about a polyurea garage and basement floor covering. Wait, are we saying are we saying polyurethane? Polyurea. No, polyurea. Okay. Polyure- it does sound dirty though. Like, yeah. <laughs> we started it like two or three years ago. There's a company in Minneapolis called Citadel, and we started partnering with them. Um, and so we, we, we used to do epoxy and epoxy. Have mm-hmm. you guys ever used epoxy somewhere? I did if, put it on a basement once. Yeah. Basement floor. Did, that is. Yeah. Did it last? Uh, not where things were wet. Was that a major? Yeah. Yeah. That, okay. that <laughs> my basement on major was, was, uh, all like the, you put like paint, epoxy and paint together. So it like mixed the glue and the, and the, and the color. And you, anytime the floor gets wet, it peels right up. <laughs> Yeah. So so polyurea is just, it's stronger. They say it's 20 times stronger and it's more flexible. So it's, it doesn't necessarily peel like epoxy does. And then they warranty it for 20 years, which is, yeah. So I think it's like epoxy is like three to five bucks a square foot. And then you can do polyurea for like six to eight, which it has huge, better benefits. It's a one day install uh, drive on it the next day. Uh, I've been doing a lot of garages in the Madison area just because um, it's a better option than epoxy. It's just the chemical bonding is just way more flexible and stronger. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like when, that when you do that to your house, that means like you've made it. Yeah. <laughs> like if you, if you have like, like I'm happy when a house has a garage yeah. like, and a door. Uh, but when you have a garage floor that is so smooth and so nice that that you are going to have it coated so that it looks like pristine, like the fire station. Yeah, like yeah. it's a, like it's an auto shop. You, you've <laughs> yeah. you've made it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think and it's washable. So oh, it washable! You can wash the yeah. car in there and have the water <laughs> yeah. go down the drain and splash up. Um, it's. It'd be it'd be like it's like a bathtub. It's like a, yeah. <laughs> you've got a way nicer garage than I do. Uh, but the mine's all cracked. I can't even. You, when it's cracked, you can't really put polyurea on it just because <laughs> right. it's just it's all, too gone. It's all run uh, down the drain. That's a lot of. That's yeah. an expensive product to be letting seep into the. Well, cracks. Ben will Ben will come over and cock up all those gaps for you, yeah, and we'll right. just reap it now. <laughs> He's the one that sold the house to me, so I don't help me. That's how I know your garage is nicer than mine. Uh, well, thank uh, you, Jessica, for your time with us. We're going to take a quick break for Phil's phone in, and then we'll be back with you and some closing thoughts. Hey, Ben, it's Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. With the COVID situation still swirling, we're seeing people go beyond work from home to work from anywhere. For some, that means hitting the open road, setting up shop in RVs. According to the RV Industry Association, sales of campers and motorhomes increased 22% year-over-year between May and August. Various reports say that first-time buyers accounted for between 40-50% to of those sales, up from 30-35% to normally. And working conditions are definitely a big factor in buying decisions. Leisure Travel Van says that four in 10 emails it receives include inquiries about mobile office capabilities. 
How much does it all cost? Well, a decent travel trailer runs between $25,000 and $30,000, with nicer fifth-wheel setups in the $50,000 neighborhood. When you start talking about full-on motor coaches, prices get to $100,000 pretty quickly and can run up toward two hundred grand. It takes a lot of gasoline to get around. You need a powerful pickup or SUV for big tow behinds. Motor coaches get only between 6 and 10 miles to the gallon. The good news? Gasoline is still cheap, with prices averaging about two twenty per gallon in the U.S., down 50 cents from last year. And while you can always set up shop for free in a Walmart parking lot overnight, actual R sites and RV parks can cost between $25 and $100 per night, depending on amenities. I'm not sure if RV sales are going to cut into your real estate commissions, Ben, but in 2020, well, you never know. That's all for now. Until the next time, this is Phil with a view from Beyond the 608. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's Real Estate Magazine for your ears. His name is Ben Anton. My name is Adam Elliott. We are speaking, we have been speaking, a, a great conversation about painting and improving your house with Jessica Moreau, uh, General Manager with Serta Pro Painters in Madison. Before we depart, there was one question I did want to ask you, um, and this just comes from years of working with painters, and I always feel like painters have their own rules about painting sometimes. <laughs> do, do you have any of those that, that stick out in your mind? Uh, yeah. My two rules were always about technique, and it's it's always yeah. one of them is always know where your paintbrush is because mm -hmm. if you're just walking around willy nilly, <laughs> you have a paintbrush full of paint. Chances are it's going to end up on you or someone or something you don't want it to. And then the other one was was defining like what makes a good painter, and that is always like pulling down brush strokes. Like the longer you can make your brush stroke, the better. Yeah, for sure. My my measure is usually when I watch someone cut in cut in a ceiling, um, because I I'm going to get bold here. You said that you use tape. I so I have seen people try to use tape to cut in a ceiling, and that I think is just wholly mm. wrong. That is not a place <laughs> for tape ever. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> but 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 understanding, and this is here's another hopefully a little takeaway. When when painting and cutting in the ceiling, it is it is your job to let the let a bristle or two rise up onto the ceiling because it is very difficult to see a mistake from di directly below it because you do not live with your head against the wall this but if you, but if you <laughs> but if you are if you cheat if you if you err down onto the wall you can see that from a mile away <laughs> so if you are making that ceiling cut and and you and you can't and you can't keep it right there and then, then go ahead and let that bristle or two go up onto the ceiling, onto that flat white ceiling, and because <laughs> because you are not going to be able to see that mistake unless you literally push your head up against the wall and look look to the north, and and no one does that. But the minute right. you drop, the minute you drop below, yep. you can see that mistake from across the room, and everyone <laughs> will notice, including me when I come over to give you a, a price on your home. I would call that to run the ceiling. There's to a, there's run a, the that's ceiling. That's what I. I mean, everybody's got their own name for these things, just like Jessica <laughs> says. But like that is, I, I agree with you, Ben. You got to run the ceiling just a hair, so you don't see those weird dips down yeah. on the wall. Um, I would say uh, let the roller and the paintbrush do the work. You know, people just try yeah. to put pressure on your rollers and you can see all those streaks everywhere. You just really oh, yeah. got to let the roller do the work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that would be my take. Oh, my two cents for someone. And then I would say buy quality pay, items. Pay for the paint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and pay the brushes. For what you get. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't buy 
yeah, I wouldn't buy cheap stuff. You can see it in your work. Mm-hmm. How, so let's say someone wants to put together a spreadsheet on all those issues, and they want to get, and they want to call you up. Just how are I they? Have one. How are I they going to get? <laughs> how do I they get in one. touch with you? Yeah. All right. So they can call me directly. I'll answer any question they have. My phone number is 608-221-4266. Shoot out, shout out the website so if we want to find you online. It's madison.certapro, C-E-R-T-A-P-R-O.com. All right. I will put a link to that information as well as Jessica's uh, direct phone number in the in the show notes, which can be uh, in the 608.com episodes uh, or guests. You can find it in either of those locations. We thank you, Jessica, for your time and, and proving that there is no right answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or, or at least or at least if Ben wants to be right, sometimes we have to all agree that there is no right or wrong answer. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, thank you. You're listening to Real Estate in the 608, Madison's real estate magazine for your years. My name is Adam Elliott. Right across the table from me is Ben Anton. And we have been talking about painting. Ben, what was that, though? That was that was episode 10, season two. We talked about painting and, and, and gave you some real actionable, this is, this is putting me forward and my desire for a grayish uh, living room. And I, and I now am this much more comfortable either doing it myself or, or calling or calling up Jessica and asking yes. her I was gonna, um, for an estimate. I was going to say, we, we also, <laughs> I had some like backup of my theory that like people either don't mind painting or they absolutely hate it. So the fun factor may or may not be there. But one of the things we learned is like the difference between a good day painting and a bad day painting is the equipment that yeah. you will bring to the painting job. <laughs> I think we, we all settled on some kind of like if we had a go-to brush, mm-hmm. I was two and a half inch, you guys were three three and a half inch, but we were both in the angled sash brush yep. as the most versatile. That the that the angled uh, sash brush, regardless mm-hmm. of size, is going to be one of the most versatile and uh, and available for the most most uses. That's right, uh, and, and working well for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also talked about what sheen was. That's always a very common question. Like, what do you mean sheen? I just want you to paint my house. It's like how much reflective light you would like back. Yes, not, um, on not it. Charlie. No, no, rela- <laughs> no relation. Uh, but we we were always using flat on the ceilings. Uh-huh. Uh, we did not yeah. differ there. I tend to go shinier on the walls than mm-hmm. Jessica and her crew, um, where they're where they're in the flats and the velvets. Mm-hmm. She's not a fan of the of the glossiness. Where I go, things. where I go, satin, I was, and even semi gloss in some of my higher moisture moisture air, moisture areas. Yeah, I was ashamed. I didn't want to tell her that. Like when I do like a wood floor and I have like a finish on it, I like that as like glossy as possible because I like the light that reflects off of it. Not everyone likes that though. <laughs> no, in fact, well, when we had Michael Bonebreak from Madison Harbor, oh, yeah. I think we talked mostly about satins. Yeah. Like that was he as does, shiny as he would tend he, to go. Yep, I'll, I'll keep that <laughs> secret of mine hidden, I guess. <laughs> you want to shoot some hoops. You want to hear the hear the squeakier tennies on I that, do. that high do. sheen floor. <laughs> uh, a, lot, a lot of information and a lot of, a, a lot of opinion because there was three of us that didn't all of us have put a lot of miles on that brush mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 have found things that work best for us so there is both what is right 
And then there is what is right for you. <laughs> well, we thank once again Jessica Moreau with Serta Pro Painters here in Madison uh, for being our guest today. Um, ben, there's the newsletter where people can find out more. There's the newsletter. You can find out uh, you can find out more about our market. You can find uh, an occasional and maybe even seasonal homeownership tip in the 22nd, 22nd read. It arrives on the 22nd and is written in easy-to-digest segments, taking no longer than 20 seconds to read. Right. Go on over to inthe608.com uh, on Facebook at in the 608 and click sign up. That's a fine plan. Thanks once again to Jessica Moreau with Serta Pro Painters. And thanks to some of our musicians that you've been listening to today who have nicely broken up our weird content sometimes. Uh, Renclaw, El Donk, and Bob Westfall. Uh, our favorite and theme song, uh, Seesaw, Mad City Jug Band. And of course, thank you to you, our listener, who have thank joined us today. Thank you to you, today. the we, listeners, especially those that uh, that helped in our uh, in our in our getting quest us getting us nominated for the podcast association. Yeah. We'll, we'll get a we'll get a liner. We'll get them next that. time. Yeah. yeah, we just didn't win today. That's all it was. <laughs> we'll see you next month. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to Real Estate in the Six Hundred Eight, Madison's real estate magazine for your ears. Real Estate in the 608 is a podcast for homeowners, home buyers, landlords, tenants, people who just want to be better at living in a home. If you can't get enough Real Estate in the 608 between episodes, like us on Facebook at In the 608 or visit inthe608.com for archived episodes and show notes. Remember, until you tell us, we don't know. We appreciate your listening, as well as your ratings and reviews at your favorite podcast portal. We also welcome feedback and topic suggestions via emails to ben at benanton.com. Come on, baby, won't you hold me tighter than your fist curled up in a schoolyard fight? I'll be a backup when you're calling my name. And come on, baby, won't you keep me safer than that high score on that pinball game? You're always playing at your favorite arcade. Could be taking names And we could be record-breaking Come on, baby, won't you buy me flowers with that money spent on whiskey sours that you're buying at those wasted hours? And come on, baby, won't you talk me sweet? Instead, I'm staring at this empty seat because you got someone else you'd rather Waiting here 
wait long and so I'm singing you this waiting song.